Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, now to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. And we're going to spend a good portion of time this morning in both Hebrews and the book of Genesis. Background Genesis chapter 12, 23. We're going to look through several of these uh, passages. Look with me if you would at Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to start reading at verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise, heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham. When he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, Bless both the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning upon the staff, top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Father, we ask that you would bless now the reading of your word. And Father, bless my mind, my mouth, that Father, I would be able to speak not my own words, but as of the oracles of God. Father, touch me in a way that is beyond my abilities so that I might be able to impart truth. Father, I don't want to just show up, preach a sermon, and go home. Father, I don't want our people to show up, hear a sermon, and go home. Father, I want the Holy Spirit of God to move in our midst, to shake us at our very core, to wake us up, 
to cause in us a desire to lay aside the things of this world that we cling so tightly to and embrace you. Father, make your word come alive to our hearts and our minds this morning that we can walk away from this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All through this book, we have seen the foundation of faith. We have seen this foundation spread throughout this book and, and the passages that we have studied as we've gone through the book of, uh, of Hebrews. We've seen one prevailing theme, and that is simply this, Jesus is better. So you can look at anything that this world may have to offer. You can look at any direction this world may want to take you, and I can promise you something guaranteed of a surety. You have no doubt that this is the truth. Jesus is better. Now, I don't know about you, but if if I know one thing is better. Do you like going to a restaurant and then you try to figure out what you're going to eat? But every time you do, this is me. Every time I've, I, I repeat a, a trip to a restaurant, I'll look at the menu and I'm go, I'm going to try something new. And then I'm always disappointed and think I should have gotten Old Faithful, right? You go to the Mexican restaurant and you're like, I'm going to try this burrito. This, nope, should have gone with the chimichanga. Every time, I should have just gone with the chimichanga. I don't know what I was thinking. Every time I do this, I realize I should have gone with the chimichanga. The book of Hebrews makes it abundantly clear. Jesus is better. Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is a better high priest. He's a better prophet. He's a better provider. He's a better sustainer. He's a better creator. Everything, anything that you can come up with, Jesus is better. And he's sufficient. He's enough. If he's better, what more do we need? If he's better, why do we try to add so many things to it? And so all through this book, we have seen the foundation of our faith. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. I do not place my trust. I do not place my faith in in a, a better home. I place my faith in the one who provides the better home. I do not place my faith in, in, in uh, uh, different activities or different things that I do. I do not, listen to me, uh, understand this. Programs never provided salvation. Uh, events never provided salvation. They are merely a, mean, a means that we use to get to an end. We can have all the different programs, all the different events, all the different type of uh, functions that we want to have. We can have vacation Bible schools. We can have revivals. We can have mission conferences. We can have whatever you want to have. But I'm here to let you know those things do not provide salvation. Jesus provides salvation. And the moment we get our mind off of him and start putting it on all the other externals is when we have just made good things idols. In examining this, as we have looked at at chapter 11 over the past few weeks, we have seen several different examples of people of faith. But then we come to this family of faith, starting with Abraham, making his way down through Isaac, Jacob, and then to Joseph. And I want to look today at, at this family of faith 
And we're going to try to approach it from the angle of faithfully facing our fears. Now, the question, I guess, that can kind of come into this is, we've talked about faith and what faith really is. Faith is obedience. We've talked about that. But perhaps there's someone saying, what if I am too afraid of what might happen in order to obey? If I obey God in this area of my life, something's going to change. If I obey God in this area of my life, something's going to have to give. If I obey God in this area of my life, I might lose. If I obey, something might happen. And many times we are afraid of simply doing what we know God wants us to do. And so I want to try to talk about that uh, just from the perspective of fear. What do I do when I'm too afraid to obey? Now, I'm, I'm not talking about, okay, the Lord said share the gospel with every creature, but there's a snake standing right in front of me, and I'm scared of snakes, so this guy probably ain't going to get the gospel. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about that fear that we allow to cripple us, maybe fear of rejection, So what do we do in those situations? Well, let's look at some examples of this because most of us have no problem following God when things are going well. Most of us have no problem following God when His direction lines up with our desires. Okay, so Lord, you want me to, uh, you want me to go to this part of the world and and live like a king. Well, okay then. I will gladly do that. You want me to be a missionary and you want me to live prosperously. I'm I'm happy to do that. You want me to but what if it's you want me to be a missionary and you want me to live in a tiki hut for the rest of my life and not own anything? That's when things change, right? You see, most of us are happy and we have no issue following God when the sun is shining, but what about when the clouds begin to gather? And the difficult days start to come. Trouble enters. Things aren't as sunshine and roses as maybe they once were. Do we still have the faith then? In examining this family, there's one thing that is clear. Faith is most evident in times of apprehension. Times of fear distrust, unbelief, label it what you want. At the end of the day, that's when our faith really comes to to the forefront. Abraham, let's look at this in, in, in detail. If you go back to chapter number 12 of the book of Genesis, keep your hand here in Hebrews. And I'm going to try to make my way through this family Jumping all through the book of Genesis, so keep your hand in both. Notice Genesis chapter 12, and you have Abraham's call by God. Verse number one, it says, Now the Lord had said, the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Notice the next part of verse number four. You ready? So Abraham departed. 
Now, Abraham being called here, Abram at that moment, uh, referred to by Abram at that moment, he was called to leave his family to follow God. If you were to go over into Joshua 24, verse 2, you'd find out that his father, uh, they were a pagan people, served other gods, plural. They were a pagan group of people. So how exactly how it is that Abram uh, became a child of God or began to follow Jehovah God, we're, we're not really privy to that. All we do know is that God spoke to Abraham, told him, I want you to leave this pagan home. Now, very, probably very prominent. If you were to read through the life of Abram, uh, you'd find that he had a lot of people with him, had a lot of servants, had a lot of uh, uh, of uh, uh, property. And when I say property, I'm talking tangible things. But realize something. When Abram left home in Ur, he left to be a nomad. Never owned property that he called his own. Abram here, we, we're, we're introduced to this guy. He, he's being called by God. You don't see any record of a discussion. It says Abram, Abram was called by God to go, and he obeyed. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that God says, okay, Abram, go. Okie dokie. I don't know that it was necessarily that dramatic. But I will say this. He obeyed. Whether it took him a day or a week or a month or 13 seconds, he obeyed. This is what we need to focus in on. Some people, well, you know, Abram, he he obeyed immediately. We're not told that. We just know he did. We know he obeyed. It says that Abram went. So he departed. But he left a comfortable life to obey and follow God, not knowing where he was headed. And then if you keep your hand there in Genesis and look again back at Hebrews, note what it says about, about this. It says in verse number 9 of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him uh, of the same promise. Do you realize that Abram's entire life, he never possessed this land that God had promised him? Not one time. The only property he ever owned was his burial plot. That's it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd say most of us today, preacher, I think most of us, if God says, I I want you to leave everything that you have, leave your family behind, leave your home, and I'm going to relocate you, and I'm going to give you a chunk of land. After about five years, most of us are going to be going, hey, um, still living in a tent here. Come around age 100, I'd say you probably patience is wearing thin. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you said I was going to inherit some land here, but uh, no land. I'm going home. I'd say that's the majority of what most people would do today. You, you told me that if I left, I was going to be given this. I haven't been given this, so I'm going back home. Proof's in the pudding, bub but not Abraham. Why? Because he believed God. Let me ask you something this morning. Think about this for just a minute. Are God's promises enough for you, or do you need more? 
many people, they, well, I know God promised this, but I need, I, I need to see, I need to see it physical. I need to see something tangible. I, I know God said that he'll never leave me nor forsake me, but I, you know, I, I, I would prefer, wait a minute. God made a promise to you. Is that enough? To Abram, it was enough. Abram, he heard from God. God said, I'm going to take you. I'm going to make you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make the world blessed by your family. Is that good enough? To Abram, it was. But not just to Abram. Think about Sarah's faith. You, you see here in uh, Genesis, look at, the, look at Genesis chapter 23 with me quickly before we go into Sarah's faith. I want you to note something about this. You know, this idea that we just read about him sojourning, it was, it was a pilgrim. But look at Genesis 23. Note verse, note verse four. Um, oh, it's twenty four four. I was going to say that's not what I wanted to read. Verse uh, twenty three. Look at verse three. Uh, Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, "Notice this, verse four. I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession." of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Abram's letting it be known. He says, this is, he comes into the place that God said, this is what I, this place is going to be your inheritance. And he's talking to people saying, I'm a stranger here. I'm a sojourner. I'm a pilgrim. Here's what I want you to understand from this. The promises that were given to Abraham were good enough for him because he understood that the physical, catch that, the physical land was not the goal. They were after a spiritual inheritance. God says, follow me. Is that good enough? He says, leave that behind. Is that good enough? But then we see Sarah's faith as well, Genesis chapter 18. Now, at first, we know that Sarah struggled with believing. Look here in verse uh, number 12 of Genesis 18. It says, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? In other words, let me interpret that in modern vernacular. He's too old, and I'm too old to have a kid. You're nuts. That's what Sarah's saying. She's laughing about it. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? saying, shall I of surety bear a child, which am old. Catch this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I think Sarah woke up. The proof is in God's own word. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Sarah counted him faithful. Now, we can, we can blow a raspberry at her all we want and say, oh, she doubted. She doubted and she was, you know, shouldn't have doubted. She laughed at God. Somewhere along the lines, she woke up and she placed her faith in him and she counted him faithful. The wondering of the, uh, the wording that we find in, in Hebrews, there's a word there also kind of 
indicates that she shared the faith of Abraham by, by Sarah's faith also. And so, in other words, he believes and he trusts, so will I. So from two individuals well beyond their childbearing years came Israel. All of Israel. <laughs> you can't read history for very long without finding out something to do with Israel. From two people who just obeyed and trusted God. Think of the fear that may have come upon her. I mean, just from a physical standpoint, I'm going to have a child at this age. I'm going to die. I am going to die. I'm not going to be able to survive this. I am going to die. Think of the faith that it had, that she had to have in that. But then we have the tested faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now, here's, here's the beautiful thing about this. Now, realize that both Paul and James refer to this as well. They refer to uh, Abraham uh, offering up and um, uh, this incident. James refers to this incident as the moment when Abraham's faith was justified. Well, how do we know Abram really believed? Okay, it's one thing to leave your home. It's one thing to go sojourn and live in a tent. It's another thing to take your baby boy and put him on an altar. That takes faith. Anybody want to sign up for that one? Anybody ready to start building an altar? But here's the thing that's beautiful in this. You see it in verse 18, it says, Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. This was the, uh, this was the promised one. You can find that out uh, back in Genesis chapter 21. God said, from Isaac, specifically. So perhaps maybe he thought, well, you know, uh, maybe God will give me another child. But wait a minute. God's promise was going to be fulfilled through this one. And so when God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, and offer him to me as a sacrifice, I don't think Abraham was walking around going, well, there's one kid, I'll get another. He believed God's promise, even if God was going to have to raise that boy from the dead, God's still going to fulfill his promise. I believe it with all my heart. Or his promise is good enough. Or are we going to insert man's reasoning and man's ideas into this? Well, I just couldn't have, I couldn't have done what Abraham did. Maybe not. Maybe that's because our faith is not as strong. Because we're looking for tangible. When Abraham said, he promised it, it's good enough for me. 
Abraham believed God, that there was nothing too hard for the Lord. Do you believe that nothing is too difficult for God? If you believe this, why are you so afraid? Let's, let's really kind of focus in on this for a minute. Because I don't think we realize how many people struggle with fear on a daily basis. I'm not talking about I'm, 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 I'm scared of heights, preacher. Oh, when I get on a bridge or when I get on a ladder, my nose just starts to bleed and I start to shake and convulse and I think I'm about to die. Okay. You know the best way to get over that fear? Don't get on a ladder. You won't have a nosebleed. No, I'm just... Trust. Trust. I'm not talking about these irrational fears, you know, uh, um, being afraid of this or that or the other. I'm just talking about simple obedience. Well, Pastor, you don't seem to understand. Uh, I'm afraid that if I do this, if I confront this situation in my life, I'm going to lose someone that I love. Uh, Pastor, you don't seem to understand something. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand. When when God says he wants me to, uh, he wants me to do something or he wants me to go somewhere or he wants me to act a certain way or if I do that, Pastor, you don't understand. I might lose my job. And if I lose my job, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to keep my home. I'm not going to be able to support my family. If I do this, my child is going to get upset at me. I know what God wants me to do in my home. I know the way God wants me to lead my home. I know what his word tells me to do. But if I do this, my kids aren't going to be happy with me. If I say it this way, my wife's going to be upset with me. Hey, quit being afraid of them. Believe him. Try a simple one. Bible says, uh, if your brother offends you, go to him. Talk it out. Get things ironed out between the two of you, right? And if that doesn't work, then take somebody with you. Not so you can rub their nose in it, not so that you can tell everybody else about it, but because you honestly desire for that relationship to be restored. And then if that doesn't work, you take them to the church and say, I want this relationship right. Well, I don't want to go talk to them. They're going to be mad at me if I bring this up. Why are we so afraid to obey? Listen, do you believe that nothing is too difficult for God? If you believe that, then you shouldn't be afraid when God's word says, go talk to him. Well, if I try to be loving to my wife, she's just going to spurn me again. Is anything too impossible that God can't do it? Well, if I show respect to my husband, he's just going to belittle me again. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, you just don't know my wife. You just don't know my husband. So what you're saying is, yes, some things are impossible for God. Abraham believed nothing was impossible for the Lord. And that's where he placed his faith. Let's, let's look at Isaac. 
and, and for sake of time, we're not going to go back to Genesis. We'll just stay right here in Hebrews. Notice verse number 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, this is an interesting one for me. If you were to go back to Genesis chapter 27, you would read about the con artist that became the name Israel, Jacob. You'd read about this guy. Him and his mom cook up a scheme to rob his older brother uh, of his birthright. And so they, he comes in, and you know the story. I'm sure you've read the story. And so here comes, here comes Jacob, and he's got these animal skins all over him, and he's trying to, he wants to make sure he's, apparently Esau stunk. And uh, he makes sure to smell like Esau because he comes in and Isaac, he, he's, he's blind now. He doesn't really, doesn't really see too good. And, and he's feeling the animal skins. Yeah, that's my son's scruffy, uh, scruffy, uh, appearance there. And, and he's, he's, yep, smells like my boy. <laughs> must, must have been out in the field for a long time. And so it, so he blesses Jacob and he says that through him, the world is going to be blessed. And that the promises of God, essentially, were going to come through Jacob. Now, I want you to put yourself in Isaac's place. You find out after the fact that your wife and kid just tricked you into giving the other one the blessing. Most of us would be like, oh, nope, stop right there. You all tricked me out of this doesn't count, I get a redo. Right? Not Isaac. Matter of fact, you read in Genesis 27 about this, Isaac says, I can't undo it. Because he viewed it as the Lord's doing. Jacob walks in, takes what should have belonged to Esau, and Isaac's response, God's in control. Think about the trust and the faith. By faith, Isaac let it go, believing, all right, he's faithful. He's the one that's allowing things to work this way. If he didn't want it to work out this way, he probably would have put a stop to it. Not many of us would have viewed it that way. We would view it as, ah, guy's stealing everything. You don't, if we were the one writing the Bible, we'd have put in, inserted, okay, uh, Isaac goes back, spanks his son, and that's what we'd have done. Spank that rotten little child and get, don't take your son's toy away. That's what we would have done, right? Isaac realized something, something that we need to. He trusted God to work out the details. Are you still trying to sort things out for yourself, or do you believe that all things do work together for good, and that God is, maybe when it doesn't look uh, uh, like things are going right, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose, or are we still trying to get our hands in and fix it and work out the details the way we think it should go? God's in the details. When things are tough, God's right there going, that's okay. I can use that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Saw that coming too. I can use that. God's right there. 
Do you trust God to work out the details? Look at Jacob's faith. Jacob finds himself in the lap of luxury. Realize Abraham, Isaac, Jacob still holding on to a promise. Still holding on to that promise. Jacob in his old age finds himself in Egypt. But then it says of it, it says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. How's this old guy going to bless two of the uh, two of the kids of the second highest man in the most powerful nation at that time? You had Pharaoh, then Joseph. I don't think these boys were lacking anything, and I'm pretty sure they had a good 401k set up for him. Right? <laughs> These were poster children for heirs and heiresses, right? But Jacob realized something. This is not your home. And he puts his hands on those boys. And he knows that it would be better for these two, Ephraim and Manasseh, to be heads of minor little tribes than it would be for them to remain in Egypt. You're living in luxury, boys, but God has something so much better for you. Most of us, by the time we get along to Joseph, we'd have been like, oh, maybe this is what God meant. This is what we're, we're supposed to, maybe we're going to inherit Egypt. Nope. Both Jacob and uh, Joseph, both of them asked to be taken home. This is by the time he's leaning upon his staff there, he's, he, he needs that help. Remember, God touched his hip. He limped everywhere from that day on. So by the time he's so old that he can't stand on his own, he's having to hold that staff and lean on it. He's still worshiping God. Never gave it up. Still believed him. And then he told his boys, he said, make sure that when we go from here, you take my body with you. Joseph said the same thing. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. We are leaving this place, he said. And when we leave, take my body with you. Still holding on to a promise. This world is not my home. Just passing through. Do you laugh at, at faith? Or are you able to laugh in the face of impossibilities? Four generations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, still didn't own their promise. They did not receive it. They just saw it afar off, but they held tightly to it. Do you, by this stage, it's like, this is never going to happen. Or do you laugh at the impossible? Because there's nothing too hard for my God. Or do you get fearful? If, if I leave home, my mom and dad aren't going to like me anymore. 
if I decide we're going to make a stance on something in my home, my spouse is going to be upset. If I decide we're going to put God first, my children may disagree with me and they may not like me anymore. Do what's right and leave the rest to God. Let me, let me ask you this way. Are you looking for comfort in this world? Or is this just a temporary place for you? You know how you can tell? Examine where your roots are. Have you put in roots in a home? In a car? Have you dug in deep in a person? Or no matter what's going on this earth, you still have him. That's enough. That's sufficient. Let's, let's try some application on this. As an Abraham and Sarah, we too can laugh in the face of supposed impossibilities. We can look at this world as we're just strangers and we're pilgrims. I'm not trying to fit in with the world. I'm not trying to fit in with their agenda. I'm not, I am going to be different. I am going to be the oddball. I have, I, I've been the odd one. I've been the geek all my life. I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me anymore. So why in the world would I get bothered by taking a stance on what is right when the rest of the world is taking a stance on what we know to be wrong? But if I make that stance, I'm going to lose some relationships. Is anything too hard for God? You don't know. Perhaps you're taking that stance is exactly what that relationship needs. So how do we adopt this life of faith? Look at Matthew chapter 6 with me. And we'll end with this. Because Jesus gave us the answer to how we live a life of faith. He gave us the answer to how we can face any problem that we can ever uh, imagine. He gave us the answer to facing our fears. Most of our fears have to do with what could potentially happen later. If I do this, this might happen. Fears are all about the future. That's why we're afraid of the snake. There's a snake 58 feet away from me. I see it. If it bites me, I'm going to die. I'm worried about what's coming. If I make this stance in my workplace, I might lose my job. It's not happened yet. Fear is all about the hypothetical tomorrow. But look at Matthew chapter 6 with me and drop down verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? 
Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, that they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Listen to me. Understand this beyond any stretch of the imagination. You are not knowing something God does not. But I'm afraid of this situation. God knows. The hypothetical situations, God knows. Verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Start there. Jesus gave us the solution. Quit thinking about tomorrow. Quit thinking about later. Seek first the kingdom of God. Dad, are you in his word? Seek that first as opposed to what this T-ball schedule is. Mom, are you in his word? Seek that first before you worry about what your kid's school schedule's looking like. Have you taught your children the things of God? Seek that one first before you take Johnny out and teach him how to Build something in the garage. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, how do I do that in my own life? God, what would you have me to do today? Seek that first. And then when he shows you something in his word, when we are hearing God's word presented and we are presented with truth, we don't say, yeah, but if I do that, no, 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 no. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness All the other stuff comes later. If you stay in the now, seeking him, quit living in the hypothetical tomorrow, let him worry about tomorrow. It's all going to work out. So how do we face our fears? Number one. Ready for this? This is going to get deep. This is going to get deep. First step in, in, in facing our fears is that we confess them as unbelief. I'm afraid because I don't believe. Well, I don't know about, let, let's try this. Lord, let's be honest with ourselves. Lord, I don't believe you know about something or you wouldn't have asked me to do that. If if God knew about this situation, he wouldn't have put that in the Bible. <laughs> Lord, I don't believe you know better than me. And Lord, I don't believe that your promises are better than what I desire. Many of us won't let go of things because we don't truly believe that what God has to offer us is better than what we're holding on to. The whole theme of this book is how Jesus is better. 
You see, God wants you to have the best. <laughs> if we talk about all the things I've had to give up for the Lord, woe is me, I am undone. I had to quit doing this, I had to quit doing that. I hope the Lord understands how much I've given up for Him. What about what you've gained? I had to give up my alcoholism. I don't think you lost much, but you gained Christ. Hello? After we confess it as unbelief, the second part of this is that we examine Scripture so that we can gain more confidence. We gain more confidence in what? We gain confidence in who he is, in what he has done, in what he has promised. Realize this. Pastor, I just have a hard time trusting God. It's because you don't know him. If I told you uh, I was driving down the road yesterday and I saw this young couple on the side of this, on the street, street sign holding it there saying, free babysitting. I got their phone number if anybody wants to call them. I know you don't know them. And they could be lunatics. You want to call them? No, because you don't know them. You're not going to trust them with your kid. You don't trust who you don't know. But the more you know someone, the better you know their character, the more you trust them. And the only way you're going to know him better is not by singing a song or watching Christian TV. It's by picking up his Bible and reading it. Well, I listen to Caleb all the time. Praise the Lord. Pick up his word. Learn of Him. And then third, simply believe the one who promised. Believe Him. Can I ask you, what are you so afraid will happen if you obey? What are you so afraid of that's keeping you from saying yes to the Lord. And who are you trusting? Are you trusting Him? Or are you trusting your own know-how, your own experiences, your own wisdom? Trust the One who made it. Trust the One who died for you. Believe His promises. That's where we need to remain. Father, I understand, Lord, that this world can be a scary place. But Father, when we truly realize that You made this world and that You have made promises to us regarding this world, it's a whole lot easier to trust You while we're in this world. 
Father, I'm looking so forward to the day that our faith does become sight. But Father, I do want to ask that today, while we're still living on this planet, uh, Father, you would increase our faith. We would not be so wrapped up in what's going to happen tomorrow. That we're not so wrapped up in where we're going to find uh, sustenance, where we're going to find um, provision. But Father, that we would be solely given to following you because we have a relationship with the one who died for us, the one who made us, the one who loves us, the one who roots and cheers for our success, the one who offers to us the best of the best. Father, that we would live lives not of fear, but that we would live lives of faith, believing. And Father, as we've studied in your word, it's impossible to please you apart from faith because we need to believe that you are and that you're the rewarder. So, Father, help us to diligently seek you. And, Father, that you would not be ashamed to call us your people and that we would call you our God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.